Hi, everyone. Welcome to another Orthopod. My name is Mo Bindari. I'm editor-in-chief, and I have the pleasure of interacting with another friend and colleague, Dr. Borzelli, who is an orthopedic trauma surgeon and vice chair of research at the University of Texas at San Antonio. Uh, good morning, Boris. Good morning, Dr. Bandari. Great being with you this morning. Well, let me just start off, if I could, Boris, with a simple uh, statement, and then I wouldn't mind your general response to it. Right now, we're at about 12 million cases or so around the world. Three, about 3 million of those cases are coming from the United States. And as I understand, Texas as a state ranks the, as the third highest in terms of the total number of COVID-19 cases um, within the United States. What's the situation like right now in Texas? As I've heard, uh, you've had a record uh, number of cases in, in a single day in the last few days. So there seems to be an, a surge happening. And I wonder if you could just give me some insight as to what's been happening at the ground level for you. Sure. So uh, what we've seen in Texas is when uh, the COVID-19 outbreak started uh, back in March, when there was increased awareness, we went into a complete lockdown. And um, at that time, uh, we didn't see a whole lot of uh, cases in the state of Texas or also in the city of San Antonio. And once the economy uh, started opening up in May, <clears throat> um, people noticed in the state of uh, Texas, but also in San Antonio, that there was an uptick of uh, cases again. And this is what we are seeing uh, right now. So <clears throat> can, you, can you attribute it back to a, 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 like a, a series of events? So I know you said that you had reopening. So reopening happened for you May, early May, or when, when did it, like, was it, or was there a, a point? Because what's happening for us is we're, we're trying to attribute what might be happening where as other parts of the world start to reopen and what that impact will be. So during the month of May, that was when uh, we started uh, opening uh, up, uh, allowing uh, bars uh, to reopen, allowing restaurants to reopen, allowing gyms uh, to reopen, schools stayed closed. And okay. at that time, it seemed uh, to be a very um, correct decision. Uh, you know, um, a, a complete lockdown certainly was not sustainable for um, a lot of people and not reasonable in light of the uh, overall economy. And as we saw uh, this um, reopening, uh, at that time we saw uh, the uh, uptake of uh, cases that we also, uh, at the same time, um, Memorial Day um, happened uh, there were protests uh, happening in the city of San Antonio, but also in other parts uh, of Texas. And uh, probably all of that uh, together uh, minimized probably the social distancing. Yep. And uh, at the same time, what we also um, experienced is there was so much more testing done. Yeah? So yep. with more testing, you also find more cases. Yep. And uh, for a while, there were uh, clinics who uh, would test anybody who would walk in. Symptoms, no symptoms, exposure, no exposure. Anybody who wanted to get tested could get tested. And with that, certainly, uh, the number of identified cases also uh, goes up. Oh, yeah, for sure. So, I mean, you can see this milieu of happening. And the hard part is, 
that everybody tries to tell a narrative that says, oh, that's the reason that things have changed. But you can, from what you're describing, it's more testing. It's, uh, you know, it's reopening. And by the way, with reopening, when you say uh, restaurants and bars open, uh, when, like, including um, having bars open for people to be sitting inside the bars and inside restaurants, or is it mostly patios? Was it the whole reopening? Yeah. Oh, okay. uh, that was uh, certainly that um, happened in stages. Okay. That, uh, they went from a 25 capacity to a 50 uh, percent yep. capacity uh, to a 75 percent capacity, for instance. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And uh, that was both uh, for uh, indoor and outdoor seating. Yeah. And uh, at the end of June, when it was noticed in the state of Texas that the number of recorded cases were uh, increasing that uh, this was cut back again. For instance, restaurants are now allowed to run at a 50% capacity. Um, also in the medical field, which is, uh, yeah, right. we were locked down for elective surgeries uh, during our lockdown in um, March and April. Right. And uh, elective surgeries were uh, opened up again in the month of May. And also uh, on elective surgeries. Uh, there was a, a cutback again that in many uh, areas in the state of Texas, the uh, elective surgeries were uh, put on hold again. So right now, uh, with, you know, uh, at least as I've, as I've read, the last few days you've had, I won't call it a surge, but you've had a number of cases. I, I, I had read that there were about a thousand new cases uh, in the San Antonio area in a single day. Is that, is that uh, now leading to other policy changes? Like, let's continue to cut back. Are you expecting more pushback, at least both in the healthcare and also in the way um, some of the new physical distancing policies coming back, the older policies coming back, I guess what I'm saying is, are you gonna be taking um, more steps backward? Or does it seem to be that that is, that you've hit your maximum and you're starting to see, it's hard to know right now, but are you starting that, to see a plateau? That is hard to know. So. I will also say is that, uh, for instance, as far as the number of hospitalizations, uh, it seems uh, that uh, the curve starts to flatten there a little bit. So yeah. that is good news that came out uh, over the last week when you're looking at the hospital uh, numbers, that there's optimism that the curve is flattening and that we are probably uh, reaching the peak and the modeling for hospital admissions uh, in San Antonio the overall city of San Antonio is, that throughout the month of July, uh, the numbers will probably uh, start to be steady. Okay. So that is good news. Will we see more restrictions? Uh, again, that is difficult to say, and that is uh, certainly uh, happening on a, these decisions are made on a different level. Yeah. I believe that uh, with what uh, we have now in place, uh, we, the, the governor reinforced uh, the use of face masks uh, that is uh, probably uh, something uh, uh, worth mentioning. That you'll see. So, 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 so just so I'm clear in terms of the specific policy, um, face masks are to be worn um, by all outside and inside, or, or is there a specific, mm -hmm. or like just basically everyone should be wearing a face mask when out of their home, or is it a bit more specific than that? Everybody above the age of 10. Uh, yes to wear a face mask uh, when in a public uh, space okay. and uh, and uh, when you are inside uh, you have to wear a face mask 
in a public yeah. uh, space. As far as outside, uh, if you are in an uh, outside environment, you have to wear a face mask if you're in an environment where you cannot uh, ensure social distancing. Oh, okay, okay. So yeah, it seems like it's they're trying to do everything at this point to curb, um, curb, curb some of those issues. From the point of view of your direct trauma practice, have you seen a shift at all um, from yes. reopening to, you know, well, I'm sure you've seen a shift. So I'm curious what, what you felt. Maybe you can kind of yeah. walk us through pre-COVID, COVID, and now where you are again, because you reopened and you're kind of slowing yeah. down again. So I'm a trauma surgeon at the University of Texas in San Antonio, and we are a very busy uh, trauma center uh, with a large catchment area. And um, we are the only civilian level one trauma center in a big metropolitan area like San Antonio. So uh, we are busy year round. Where what we um, maybe also by background, what you see in other parts of the country, uh, when there's winter, uh, the volume, uh, the trauma volume slows down a little bit um, in other parts of the country. In San Antonio, due to the weather, uh, people stay outside, uh, people stay active, even during the uh, winter month. Construction is going on year round. So we're pretty much uh, very busy um, year round. So what happened when we uh, went into lockdown in uh, March and April, or late March uh, and April mostly, we uh, saw a significant decrease in the trauma volume on a daily basis. Yeah? Uh, so uh, that was a time when, when we really felt people slowed down and there's less going on, less construction going on, uh, less uh, business going on, less driving. Uh, less uh, things to do for people. So we saw it in the trauma volume. What we then saw when the uh, economy opened up in May, and that was also around uh, Memorial Day, uh, that there was a very uh, strong increase of the trauma volume. So some of the busiest uh, calls that I've had uh, in my 10-year career, uh, career was wow. during that time. Let me ask you, Boris, what was happening around that time? Was it the same type of trauma? Was it uh, like, what was the general mix of trauma you were seeing uh, on the day that, so on this day that you said it was one of your busier days? Yeah, I would say it was a, f a fairly similar mix of what we okay. see, car accidents, okay. motorcycle accidents. Okay. Um, yeah, where we uh, noticed people started uh, doing things again and people enjoyed uh, mm -hmm. uh, the opportunities that they Right. Uh, um, could enjoy life right. Right. again after weeks of lockdown, which uh, certainly is a hard hit uh, for anybody in particular in our uh, area in uh, the state of Texas where people enjoy their freedom. Wow. And what we saw after that, when we had uh, a fairly strong surge uh, of uh, trauma volume, um, in the month of May and also in the beginning uh, of June, when then we saw concerns again that uh, numbers increased and uh, the governor started stepping back a little bit uh, with the reopening. Uh, warnings came out. Uh, what else did we see? We saw that elective surgeries were limited again. We saw that bars were closed again. 
We saw that restaurants were cut back to 50% of capacity. We saw that uh, around 4th of July, many beaches uh, in the state of Texas uh, were closed. That wasn't on the governor's level, that happened on the community level. So those yeah, right. communities, the local uh, communities who made those decisions uh, about uh, beaches uh, closing. So what uh, we saw then was not a sharp decrease, but uh, we felt that the uh, trauma volume uh, slightly decreased uh, during that time. So for instance, 4th of July is uh, frequently the busiest call of the year. Mm -hmm. This year, uh, we saw a little bit more a reflection of the muted celebrations yep. that, um, you know, even around 4th of July, many 4th of July events that typically happen got canceled. And uh, we saw that uh, on the trauma service as well. I was on call July 3rd on a Friday, which again uh, would be uh, suspected to be a very busy call. And this year, it really wasn't uh, the surge in trauma volume that we typically see around uh, holiday. Okay, so when you look at what's been happening, do you think like, do you think that there's a unified approach to how to manage this within Texas? So for example, what we're seeing in uh, Canada, for example, is, you know, various localities and regions are seemingly saying, well, we don't have a lot of cases, so we're going to move in this direction. Some places that might have a focus of cases are, are slightly different. So everyone seems to have a slightly different protocol. And maybe, and maybe, you know, that could be part of the challenge we're having is some are more lax, some aren't. Is that same situation happening in Texas or surrounding, you know, sort of the surrounding uh, areas around San Antonio? Look, Texas is actually a very uh, diverse uh, state. We have, uh, for example, big metropolitan area like Houston right. uh, with a big economy, uh, with, with a very popular city with lots of traffic. And then at the same time, within the same state, uh, we have areas uh, in the west of Texas where you can drive for hours and uh, there will be uh, not a single uh, gas station uh, you will find. Yeah. So uh, it is probably difficult to find a unified approach uh, for the state of Texas where you will say, uh, this is a right decision that we make on the state level uh, that works for uh, every community. And uh, that is probably what we uh, saw in the beginning that uh, the expectation was a lot of the uh, things need to be uh, solved on the um, on the city level right and uh, also with you know the um, deferral of elective surgeries uh, what they were looking at is uh, that those counties who uh, see more than 20 COVID uh, patients uh, would be limited from performing elective surgery. So again, in the state of Texas, we see a lot of uh, variations uh, in terms of socioeconomic uh, situations and um, very different uh, parts of, um, of the country, of uh, the state of Texas that you have. Well, let me ask you this, going forward, um, what is the next, 
month look like? You know, it's hard, I think, to really be looking beyond a month right now because things seem to change so quickly. Um, what do you perceive right now? Is there optimism for what's happening? Is there still a concern? I mean, are healthcare providers and patients particularly still quite nervous? You know, during the COVID surge around the world, patients just didn't want to come to hospital. They were very, very fearful of coming in and they were staying home. What's that feeling like right now for you? Yeah, uh, we have seen that, that uh, certainly patients uh, were hesitant coming to the hospital. Even during the phase when elective surgeries were opened up again, uh, we felt, okay, um, things will uh, pick up uh, very quickly again. And uh, even though uh, some of our elective surgeons, I don't have an elective practice, uh, but most of my partners do, uh, notice that uh, even though it was allowed to perform elective surgeries, patients were also hesitant uh, to be in the hospital. And of course, uh, nobody uh, would blame anybody uh, if during a time like this, uh, people are hesitant uh, about coming to the hospital for an elective uh, procedure. How will the month of July uh, going forward look like it's very difficult to say as you said things are changing uh, very quickly and I will also freely admit that a lot of uh, predictions uh, that I made about the COVID outbreak I was wrong on most of these so. Well, well, so, so give me an example of what it was like what did you think would be happening by now that hasn't happened so you said you were wrong on most of these what was give me an example of what you thought was going to happen and what actually happened. Were you overcalling it or were you being more optimistic and saying, oh, it'll be done way by now? Like what was the- I was probably uh, undercalling it. I didn't expect a lot of the uh, restrictions um, coming into place uh, that we actually saw. I would not have expected back in March uh, yeah. that uh, in July, uh, we would be uh, sitting here talking about COVID. That was not uh, what I uh, expected. Oh, no. I can tell you, you know, there's a group of individuals out there who, I guess, because if you're in a place that doesn't have many cases, you are having a hard time believing that this is a real problem in other places. And then you have interactions where I get to speak with, you know, surgeons like yourself who are amidst, you know, seeing a surge in cases, you're seeing hospitals, you know, at 50% capacity, um, you know, filled up with COVID cases, you see this concern, you see the city shutting down. It's hard for others who aren't feeling that to understand that this is real and that this is not something that, oh, well, it's happening over there and it's not happening to us. And our argument always is that we have to learn from everybody because you know this, this is one unique infection that is, I mean, dramatically different than everything else that we've ever experienced. Certainly in my life, I haven't seen something like this. And I don't know if you have either. Is, is there anything that even comes close to this experience in your career? Yeah, uh, of course, no, this is unprecedented, but um, yeah, I mean, let's also not forget, uh, we see flu seasons, right. uh, uh, but again, the flu is uh, something that uh, limits itself, that after a couple of weeks or a couple of months, uh, it is gone, and uh, that was also one of the expectations, hey, uh, it's now March, and uh, in... Uh, July, it will be uh, 40 degrees, it will be 100 yeah. degrees in San Antonio. Uh, 
how can any virus uh, be going around, but uh, that one of those uh, hopes that uh, just the weather change will make a difference. None of that ever um, seemed to be uh, influencing. Well, absolutely not. I mean, India's you now gone from the fourth to the third most, um, quote, uh, you know, uh, most uh, infected country, so to speak, with respect to COVID cases. And, you know, that's a very warm climate. I mean, there's that, that's the thing that's been particularly interesting is in Canada, let's say, we have fewer cases and there's a sense for potential feeling of ease. But remember what happened in New Zealand. New Zealand celebrated zero cases and there was all kinds of media. They crushed COVID. A week later, new cases. And that's the problem. You cannot celebrate, unfortunately, when you're down because the minute you open up, it seems that it comes back up. And maybe on a last question for you is, how much around travel have you curtailed and how much travel, for example, in and out of the state is even being allowed at this point? Just because, you know, the big, the big chance now of increases is groups of people leaving one place and going to another place and creating another infective nidus. Is that at all, um, in terms of travel policies, what's that like? Yeah, so also the travel policies uh, certainly changed. So um, even, and as a matter of fact, even as a university employee, uh, I am also under the uh, policies of the university. But the University of Texas has mostly been sticking uh, with the um, with the state uh, regulations. Right. So, and again, uh, we saw uh, significant changes for a while. Uh, the state of Texas opened up the travel that we were allowed uh, to travel to other states. But then they also, uh, for a while, um, named certain states that if we were to travel, uh, for example, uh, to New York State, right. at coming back, we would have to go under quarantine. Yeah. So now it is the other way around. <laughs> yeah, right, 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 <laughs> right, right, right. That's the see, that's the problem. There's a great yeah. modeling study, and I quote this a lot. It just came out in Lancet. Well, great meaning, you know, it's an interesting study, I guess, from that perspective. They said it takes four people with an infection, either known or unknown, to leave one place and go to another place, and that will have a, a over fifty percent chance of having a major outbreak in that area. So it's not hundreds of people, it's not tens of people, it's four people. And you can see how difficult it is then to contain something when something is that infectious. Um, but regardless, I, I do think, it seems to me that there is hope and we're gonna continue to have that. And I can't believe that you and I are chatting about this in mid-July. I cannot believe that COVID continues to be top of mind uh, in July. My perception is, and I, I'm, I'll ask you as is my final question, when do you when do you believe we are past this? Is this all through 220? Do you, do you believe that you'll resume normality of your practice and possibly your even your your prior travel schedules um, July uh, and in 2020, or this is going to be pushed forward? Yeah. Uh, so for me personally, um, as a trauma surgeon, I uh, have been a little bit excluded from the problems that my partners have. We have elective practices who have to. Uh, sort of accommodate uh, what uh, has been going on with uh, policies and restrictions. And uh, I think the trauma, um, what I do as a trauma surgeon will probably be fairly steady at this point. I don't think that we will go back to a complete lockdown again. I expect that uh, children will go back to school uh, in August. 
So for my uh, personal practice, uh, I don't uh, expect uh, too many fluctuations. I don't expect any uh, significant spikes up uh, uh, or any significant uh, drops because I don't think that a complete lockdown uh, is likely happen at this point. When do you perceive things will be back to normal if there is such a thing or close to normal? Yeah. Is 220 uh, a write-off now at this point? I mean, are we going to be writing this through for the next several months? Yeah. Uh, I, you know, I think there are probably two events uh, that uh, would have, uh, uh, there would be uh, possibilities uh, to say that we would be back to normal from the COVID-19 uh, standpoint, from the public concerns uh, about uh, the virus. Uh, one would be uh, if we come out with a vaccine, yeah, uh, that certainly would be uh, a real difference maker. Then certainly the question becomes, will the vaccine be available to everybody? Who will it be available to? Will there be disparities uh, on patients who will uh, not be able to get the vaccine? Uh, but a vaccine, uh, one, uh, I think would be a big uh, difference maker. Uh, two, herd immunity, but with herd immunity, that is also something that for this virus, uh, we still have to learn uh, about uh, the personality. There have been some studies out of Europe uh, where they've been looking at um, antibodies and the numbers actually even in area in countries like Spain uh, that were hit fairly hard, the overall uh, number of uh, people and the general population uh, with antibodies was uh, relatively low, around uh, five, ten percent, depending on the population that you looked at. And that's the problem. 95% of people don't have it, which means there is a real possibility, Boris, of a second wave. I mean, something yes. coming back bigger and stronger because the majority of people don't have immunity. And, 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 we, and we still have to learn um, what does the antibody mean? Yeah. When is somebody immune to it? Yeah. So um, those would be probably the events uh, to hope for. Um, and other than that, it is difficult to know because we don't know uh, too much about the personality of the virus. Will the virus yeah. out or uh, mutate? Um, so many unknowns. And so it's, to me, everything you've said, though, suggests that we are unlikely to see big shifts in 2020 because even if there is a vaccine made available, we still have to get through tests and approvals and access. So, you know, the, the date they to say we have a vaccine and the day you actually get that vaccine could be months, right? Could be months. Um, so, you know, it seems to me that we're, we're heading well into 2020 as being COVID all the way through. And then hopefully, hopefully, you know, the 2021 year, we'll see a new year, but who knows? We could be both here, you know, having a celebration in a few months, who knows? If things change, uh, do, do contact me because I'd love to get back on the uh, line with you and chat. And once Absolutely. again, thank you so much, uh, Dr. Zelle, for taking time with us and giving us insight into what's happening at your institution. And it's uh, good to see you again.